Welcome to the Diocesan Digest. I'm your host, Sarah Smith, Director of Media and Technology for the Diocese. And this week I had the pleasure of sitting down with Bishop-elect Polson for a Facebook Live interview as we gear up for the upcoming consecration. The consecration of Bishop-elect Polson Reed as coadjutor bishop will be May 30th at 11 a.m. via live stream on the Diocesan YouTube page. In this conversation, I catch up with Bishop-elect on how his transition to the diocese has been so far and what to expect from an online consecration service. We hope you all can join us virtually May 30th at 11 a.m. for this important day in the life of our diocese. Until then, here is my conversation with Bishop-elect Polson. Okay. Bishop Polson, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. <clears throat> it's a you know it's a big week, obviously for for me um, and for us. Um, it, it, it's sort of a strange uh, week too because I, I just had my birthday um, on the 22nd, um, and so you know I've turned 50 now. The consecration is coming on Saturday, so it's a a big week all around, um, but doing very well. Excited for uh, for the consecration and and excited just to be here and to have this ministry that's now really happening. Awesome. Well, we are so excited to celebrate these big milestones with you. And I just wanted to say for folks who are gathering, meeting us online, please submit some questions for the Bishop-elect and we'll try to answer them and I'm seeing folks joining some clergy and lay folk Father John Mother Tammy so it's good to see folks rolling in um okay let's chat about how it's been just moving here how's your family doing you guys moved from Arizona and you moved during the pandemic which is just a bummer because I doubt a ton of people could come help you or you know, say hello and hang out. And how's that been for your family? Yeah. <clears throat> well, it, it, it's been certainly not according to plan, that's for sure. Uh, I don't recommend trying to move in the middle of a pandemic for those who were wondering. Um, but it, it's actually worked out just fine. So what it meant is that it, it required a, um, a certain degree of flexibility on our part as a family. Um, so for those who don't know, the original plan was that I would start April 1st, uh, Megan and our three boys would finish the school year um, at their school at All Saints in Arizona, and then um, come out and, and join me at the end of the school year. <clears throat> well, when we realized that um, school was gonna go virtual with distance learning, and as this pandemic really started to ramp up um, in March, we realized that that was just not gonna work for us, that, we didn't want to be separated as a family. So we changed plans and decided we would move all of us out at the same time um, in early April. And so uh, we did that. Uh, we were supposed to, as I say, start with me on April 1st. Uh, we ended up being about a week late to get all of us out here <clears throat> and got our house on the market in uh, Phoenix and got everything packed up and cleaned out and uh, all that stuff. You know, we had 10 and a half years worth of accumulated stuff 
um, in Phoenix. So we had a giant dumpster that was great help as we kind of cleared things out. Um, and then we moved out here together. Um, and we were originally planning to, to rent a house. Again, we needed some flexibility because that didn't really work out. Uh, the whole rental market was frozen. And so we decided to go ahead and buy. Um, but in the end, it's worked out beautifully. So we're all here, me and my family. Um, we've been here since uh, about Maundy Thursday. It's when we arrived into town. Very strange Holy Week. Um, and uh, we have now officially sold our house in Phoenix. It sold very quickly, which was great. And we have bought our house here in Oklahoma City. Um, and that's also great. And the kids just finished last Thursday their school year um, remotely with their school in Arizona. And we've sent everything back. Um, and so all of that's left is, you know, we have to unpack the boxes. So uh, we've got, you know, boxes everywhere in the house. Uh, we've been pretty slow with the unpacking because we've had so much going on. Right. Um, but we're thrilled to be here and have all of us here. So anyway, it's all, God has, has been with us throughout. Um, and we are enormously blessed um, to be here with everybody. Good, good. And so I wanted to make sure that the, have the kids, like, have you decided that they're going to go to Cassidy? Has that been finalized? I know there was talks about that. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so our three boys um, will all go to Cassidy, uh, ages 11, nine, and six, they'll all go to Cassidy in the fall. So that's great. Um, we're excited. That's just a great fit for us in a number of ways. Our kids are used to going to Episcopal school, having attended All Saints for their education. So this seemed like the easiest adjustment for them. Um, and also we're just in our family, huge fans of Episcopal education. I grew up um, attending an Episcopal school, St. Christopher's in Richmond, um, Virginia, K through 12. Um, so Episcopal education is, is important to me and to my family, and also, of course, important to our diocese. I think that's pretty cool. My understanding um, is that this is, we think, the first time that there have been really school-age children um, of a bishop in our diocese. And so I think that's going to be really fun to be able to highlight our Episcopal schools in that particular way um, with my own kids and I certainly love being around Episcopal schools and encouraging that ministry, which is so awesome. Uh, so we're, we're excited about that, both for our family um, and for what it means to support these really important institutions. We have wonderful institutions, including our schools and the diocese. And uh, it's nice to, to figure out ways to encourage that. Yes, I think it's such a unique and wonderful opportunity to just dive into all the Episcopalness of Oklahoma and follow all the Episcopalness. That's a, that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> coined a new phrase, but Father Tim Sean Newman's just said, yay, Episcopal education, one of our, our head chaplain there at Cassidy School. So I know he's excited. Absolutely. That's our week. So let's talk a little bit about, um, well, let me ask this first. How has the transition been working with Bishop Ed and just getting to kind of ease your way in and get a really nice kind of, I don't know. I just feel like it's a wonderful, thoughtful transition to be able to be together during this time as you kind of roll into all your new responsibilities and whatnot. Mm. 
Yeah, it's really been been wonderful, such a blessing um, and a gift. So part of what's been been fun and encouraging about this particular kind of stressful time with the pandemic is that I've um, gotten to know the other bishops elect who are also planning consecrations for this really strange season in the life of the church. Um, and so there's a little group of us who are all in the same boat um, with consecration plans being delayed and changing and, and all of that. Um, and so it's been fun to do that. Uh, Frank Logue, who's the bishop elect in Georgia, uh, Dion Johnson in, in, in Missouri, um, Glenda Curry in Alabama, um, Craig Loya in Minnesota. And so we've really struck up a friendship and have been having these conversations via Zoom uh, about our consecrations and about what our ministry is going to be like in this strange and stressful time. Um, and I'm really fairly unique in that group with uh, being a coadjutor. Yeah. So this is really very rare in the church today. It didn't used to be, but these days it's quite rare to be a coadjutor, which means that I overlap with Bishop Ed for a period of time uh, where he is still the diocesan. He's still in charge of things. And I uh, am working with him and learning from him. Um, most of the time these days in the Episcopal Church, you have that consecration and the crozier is handed over at that ceremony, and that's it. You're, you're on the job, and, and the power has, uh, has transitioned from that moment um, on, which is a, a little daunting. So I've been thrilled to be a coadjutor. It was part of what attracted me to this process from the very beginning, and to be able to, to listen and learn um, from Bishop Ed, who's done, by the way, just such a fantastic job. Uh, Bishop Ed and Debbie are such gifts to our diocese. Um, the work that has been done is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, I, I joke sometimes that, that I'm glad there's just a little bit of work left for me to do after everything that Bishop Ed has done uh, so effectively and well. So that's been going really well, and I've been so grateful for his hospitality and welcome. Um, I've been just trying to soak up everything that he's got to say, and I've just been listening and writing, you know, furiously making notes with all of it, because he knows obviously a lot about this diocese, um, having served here uh, for 13 years, but also he just knows a lot about what it means to be a bishop, to be an effective bishop, so I've been trying to learn that. So, you know, I'm sure there's some advantages the other way, but but I'm really grateful to be a coadjutor and you know, at some point along the line um, in the fall, we'll have that handing off of the crozier and um, and that that sort of shifting uh, of roles at that point. But for the time being, I'm delighted to uh, to be learning, and um, there's a lot to learn there. Right. There's. It's like drinking from a fire hose. I'm sure. Um, well, it is. It's interesting in terms of ministry. You know, it's. There are certain things I think that carry over from being a rector and especially from being a rector at, you know, a pretty big church uh, with a big school, just the kind of complexity of that. There's some things that are helpful, but there's a lot that you just can't learn about being a bishop until you're a bishop. And yeah. so I think in some ways, the most important thing is just to recognize that you're going to have to be learning for several years. I mean, I think it's going to be several years worth of learning. I imagine I'll, I'll do some pretty dumb things uh, in my first few years. Hopefully everybody will be uh, forgiving. 
with all that. It's a it's a learning process yeah. for sure. Yeah, and it's something you grow into, I'm sure, and are formed just like our clergy, right? You're it's a formation, it's a continual communal thing. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely it's communal, it's formation and you know, I, I think a phrase that people will probably hear a lot from me in the first several years is, uh, let me think about that, you know, or I'll get back to you on yeah. that. Um, because there are a lot of things where, you know, I'm just not going to know the answer right off the bat. And mm -hmm. so it's going to take some time and some thinking. And, and I may need to say in a lot of areas, you know, hey, let, let, me, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. Let me get back to you on that. Um, rather than kind of jumping ahead uh, with something where I'm not 100% sure. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a growing process for sure. Absolutely. Um, Father Eric Cooter just um, commented, um, how did we find, he's our new canon to the ordinary, and I, I had the pleasure of meeting him a couple weeks back when he was here for our um, the interview process, but I'd love for you to comment about Father Eric and a little bit about him and why why he was clearly a really good fit for our diocesan team. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have um, Father Eric Cooter joining us as Canon to the Ordinary. Uh, Canon of the Ordinary, for those who don't know, is basically sort of the right-hand person um, for the bishop and someone who's also very involved with things like uh, deployment, you know, how we get clergy in, into parishes that are open, the ordination process, um, just a lot of really important stuff. Um, and so this was also a really interesting thing. Um, I have to say probably this was near the top of my list of things um, that I wanted to focus on because I knew that uh, Michael Durning, who's done such a fantastic job as canon to the ordinary for us, um, would be leaving. And originally he was supposed to leave and head into his retirement at the end of April, he very graciously agreed to extend to the end of May. Um, but I knew as soon as I was elected, this was gonna be a really important priority to identify um, the next canon to the ordinary. It's too important a position to be vacant for very long. Um, and also it, it's that, it really is that sort of right-hand person to work with closely um, as Bishop. It's gotta be a relationship of great uh, trust and confidence. Um, and so the question was, well, how do we do that search during a pandemic too? And so uh, we moved ahead with it as, uh, as best we could and uh, had a lot of, of obviously sort of phone calls and Zooms and, and things like that. Um, and that culminated in uh, an in-person visit with Eric um, and his wife, Terry. Um, and even that, you know, we we're trying to figure out how can that work. They had a lovely visit with us in person and we had things like a very socially distanced dinner where everybody was, you know, in different places. And we tried to keep everybody um, safe and exercise all of our precautions um, while at the same time bringing them here. But I'm thrilled to have Eric with us. So for those who, who may not have had a chance to read about him, one of the most exciting things about Eric is that he really worked very closely with our own Michael um, Durning when they were in the Diocese of Southwest Florida together. Um, and so in many ways, we're getting somebody who has, has trained with and worked with Michael very closely. Um, and that was a huge, huge plus 
from the very beginning for me. I thought, well, anyone who knows Michael knows what a great job he's done. And anyone who's worked with Michael and, and uh, kind of learned from him um, also is, is uh, going to be likely to do a tremendous job. Um, so there was no question, Eric has worked on a diocesan staff doing many of the roles that he will have here, uh, including working with getting clergy into openings and ordination process and um, missional communities and all that sort of stuff. Um, but he's also been a, a parish rector in two different churches, so he knows what it's like to, to be in a congregation and uh, to be leading as rector. And he has a really fascinating um, work life before being ordained as well. Uh, he's a pilot. Um, he did some fascinating work in, in business with some great responsibilities. Um, so he's a really interesting guy. So anyway, the long and the short of it is I, I knew he'd be fantastic uh, on paper and that he could hit the, the, the ground running really wouldn't require a, a lot of training, um, but would be ready to go. The, the question was always fit. And when he and Terry had a visit out here, it was clear that the fit was really good too. Um, he's a, a guy of deep faith, um, very warm person, um, energetic. And so I think the fit is great and, and we're thrilled to have him. He's gonna start on July 1 with us. So we'll have a little bit of a gap um, between canons to the ordinary, um, but those two, if I know them well, and I, I do, uh, they'll be in touch regularly with each other over that month um, that things are open. So we're excited to, to welcome uh, Eric and Terry into our midst in Oklahoma, and uh, nobody's more excited about that than I am. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be a big sigh of relief to know you're going to got support on their ways mm. as we, we're transitioning two canons out right now. Um, yeah. So. Yes. Um, so not only are we saying farewell to Michael, um, who's been fantastic, but also Tony Moon, who's done our work in congregational development, um, who is also amazing. Um, and so that that's a lot of, uh, of loss at the moment. I do hope at some point along the line, we'll be able to fill that congregational development canon position again. Um, you know, obviously, all of us are wrestling with budget realities right now. Um, we're wrestling with that in our congregations and our institutions and um, at the level of the diocesan office. So um, we're going to keep that open for a while and, and see uh, what the budget looks like. But at some point along the line, for sure, we want to fill that position that Tony has held um, so capably. But we've got an awesome staff in the diocesan office, including uh, you, Sarah. Uh, it's a wonderful team. So I, I think we'll be um, in good shape with those that we have. Absolutely. We have an all-star lineup. All-star. Let's, no <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the consecration. Let folks know okay. how it's changed. Um, it's May 30th, this Saturday, 11 a.m. at the cathedral, but no public is allowed. It's just live stream. But tell us a little more about that and how you're feeling about it. Yeah, so this was um, obviously one of the biggest changes. So from the original plan of April the 18th um, <clears throat> in the basketball stadium um, here in Oklahoma City at uh, the college with, we were estimating three or 4,000 people coming from all over, not only the diocese, but beyond. Um, and this is gonna be very different. We'll be not more than 20 people um, in our diocesan cathedral. Um, and 
you know, how I'm feeling about it. There's certainly, you know, a, a little bit of disappointment, mainly that we're not able to have folks from all over the diocese come in person, mm -hmm. um, because that was going to be awesome. Part of why we were doing this in the basketball stadium is that um, there was going to be room for everybody. So we weren't going to have to do, you know, lots of, of uh, hard to get tickets and all that sort of stuff. It was going to be basically, you know, y'all come. Um, and it was going to be fantastic. But this will also be y'all come, um, but just virtually. Um, and so I, I'll tell you, you know, there's some disappointment with some of my friends from the wider church who can't come. So the original preacher for the service was going to be um, Bishop Carly Hughes. Um, she's the Bishop of Newark, New Jersey, and is a, a wonderful friend uh, of mine for many years and, and ministered for a long time in, uh, in Fort Worth, not that far from us. So she was going to be awesome as our preacher, give a wonderful sermon. Um, and there were bishops. Um, Susan Snook was going to be with us. Um, Jennifer Redall, Bishop of Arizona, my old diocese was going to be with us. Um, but I'll also tell you, I'm super excited about how this is happening on Saturday. So I'm excited that it gets to happen in our diocesan cathedral, first and foremost. So, you know, it's going to be great to have the big crowd, but there's nothing like worshiping in a holy space, a space that's been really hallowed by prayer. And our cathedral certainly is that. I mean, there really is no more appropriate place for the consecration of a bishop than uh, the cathedral. Um, cathedra, the word cathedra in Latin means that the seat, the seat of the bishop. So, um, so I'm excited that we get to be uh, in our own cathedral here in Oklahoma City. So that's, that's a blessing. And I'm also excited that because we are trying to keep everybody safe and keeping the numbers really small, um, not more than 20, what that means is that this has really become a very local celebration of our diocese. And I love that. So when we knew that Bishop Hughes couldn't come from Newark, New Jersey to be with us, <clears throat> I started thinking about, um, okay, who, who would be uh, a wonderful local preacher? Um, and my very first thought was, oh, um, Tim Bear, our own. Um, so I'd gotten to know Tim um, from Grace Church Yukon through the search process. He was very involved with the search process. In fact, I think he was my like very first contact um, when the search process began. So I got to know him a little bit, but also, you know, Tim is, is a product of this diocese. He's a young priest. He represents um, the present um, because he is here and leading a, a, a thriving community at Grace, um, but he also represents the future. Uh, he's a young priest. He's going to uh, I hope be here uh, many, many, many years um, in ministry. And so I loved the idea of having someone that I knew a little bit from the search, but also someone who could really speak to Oklahoma, could speak to uh, who we are as a diocese, perhaps where the Holy Spirit may be leading us. So that's fantastic. Uh, Marianne Hill, who is our uh, president of the standing committee, also has, she's got multiple roles. So she's our litmist for the service. Um, in addition to her kind of official roles with um, the standing committee and uh, those types of things. Um, for a consecration, you have to have 
lay people and priests and deacons from your diocese in addition to a minimum of three bishops. And so it has become this very uh, wonderful celebration of, of Oklahoma. Um, our musicians are musicians from the cathedral. Um, and so uh, Scott Rabb, our director of music there, our canon for music has put together beautiful music with a, a quartet of singers from the balcony, uh, very safely uh, distanced from everybody else. Um, so that's what I'm excited about, that it's a celebration of this wonderful diocese. Um, it's a celebration of the ministry that is continuing here. So um, this coronavirus has been a, a hard thing for everybody, but the church continues. Ministry continues. The consecration was delayed, but it wasn't canceled. It's happening. Um, and so the church keeps on doing what we do. And nothing stops that. Maybe smaller, maybe different. Um, we've never, and at any point in this pandemic, ceased to be the church. We've continued to be the church. We may not have been worshiping in our buildings, um, but we've been worshiping online. We've been reaching out to our neighbors. And so I think this consecration is a symbol of that, how the church uh, has continued to be the church, um, stretching back down the ages. So, so I'm thrilled for it. So Saturday, uh, 11 o'clock in the morning, it's not open to the public in person, but it's open to everybody via live stream. Um, and I, I think it's going to be uh, just wonderful and moving and beautiful. Yeah, I think the intimacy of it will be really palpable to folks. And we're going to have some nice intimate camera angles, um, which I'll be behind one of the cameras in the back, um, helping Melanie out. But you can, so folks know, uh, it will be on our YouTube page. We're streaming it through our YouTube um, page. And also I've linked that live video on our epiok.org website. It's on the front page. So even if you like Googled um, or just visited our webpage, it'll be like one of the first things mm -hmm. you've seen will be that live feed at 11 a.m. So those are the two big places you can access the feed. Um, so, yeah. and, and I should say too, um, one of the other big changes that is, you know, a little bit sad, but also an, an opportunity for us is that, so to consecrate a new bishop, you have to have three bishops. You can't do it with fewer than uh, three bishops to, to do that. And so obviously originally our chief consecrator was gonna be our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, who was going to be with us. Uh, he's not able to uh, travel. There's a, 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 a pause on any travel from his office by anybody. So he was going to be the first uh, uh, original chief consecrator. Then that was delegated to a bishop who's on his staff, who then is also not able to come because of the travel pause. And so our chief consecrator will be Bishop Larry Benfield, who's the bishop of Arkansas, our neighbor, and uh, Larry is also the, the president uh, of our particular province, our kind of region in the Episcopal Church. And so I'm delighted that Bishop Benfield, Bishop of Arkansas, will be driving over to be our chief consecrator. Of course, Bishop Ed will be there as one of our bishops. Uh, Bishop Jose will be with us as well, known and loved in this diocese. Uh, he'll be there um, and then I have a very good friend, really the only person who's traveling any distance 
uh, one of my great friends and mentors, Peter Eaton, who's the Bishop of Southeast Florida, um, will be coming to be with us. He was my boss as the Dean of the Cathedral in Denver when I was on the staff there and has been a friend for, um, for decades really at this point. So he will be coming in to be with us. And then Michael Gerlinghouse, who's the uh, ELCA Lutheran Bishop will also be there. Um, so it's a slightly different cast of characters with bishops, um, but we, we've got uh, three plus one um, plus our Lutheran bishop. So uh, we've got a, a good lineup of bishops who are able to come um, safely and most of them not from much distance. Good, good. Look forward, look forward to meeting them and getting to hang out a little bit from a distance, especially Bishop Jose. Love yeah. Um, a couple more like personal questions, if you don't mind, just as um, I had someone ask how, like, what did you think the first time you heard the Saturday sirens in Oklahoma at noon, the noon siren? Oh, yes. Great question. <laughs> so actually the first time we heard the Saturday sirens, speaking of Cassidy, uh, we were at Cassidy. So this was before we'd moved. We had a visit in uh, early February, right around the Super Bowl. Um, I remember that because I was watching the Super Bowl in the airport. Um, <clears throat> so we, we had a visit, my whole family and I, in early February. And part of that visit was to have the kids do their various testing things at Cassidy. And so that was on a Saturday. And all of a sudden at noon on Saturday, you know, of course, all the sirens are going off. And we're thinking, what in the world? You know, what is going on here? Um, and so, of course, the, the Cassidy folks were very quick to come and, and share what was happening, that, no, this is just a test, you know, that this is a normal thing that happens on Saturdays. So, uh, yeah, so that was, I feel like that was an important moment. Um, we had a couple of weeks in, <clears throat> I think, to our time in April, we had our first really big storm, uh, big hail, and, you know, there was... I think there was some um, tornado activity, not much in Oklahoma City where we were, but in some other parts of the state. So that was also kind of our baptism, our weather baptism. And uh, <clears throat> so we're getting getting used to, to all of that as well. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're learning all of those things that you need to, to learn. So we're learning more about the weather. Um, yeah, and, and there's some other stuff to come too. Um, you know, I, some of the, there was a funny Facebook post yesterday about some of the place names in Oklahoma that are hard to pronounce. So, you know, that's going to be an important area for me too. Um, you know, I've, I've got some of them, but I've got some more place names that I'm definitely going to need a little help on, um, particularly before I go to visit. Yeah, so, I mean, but, but we're loving it. it. It's all part of the process of moving in and getting settled into our new home and, and, and we're, we're thrilled. Um, and especially, you know, Phoenix right now, I think this week it's 110, 111. Um, so it's, it's hot in Phoenix. And so we've loved the breezes and, you know, the cooler temperatures, at least um, relative to, to what we had uh, being outside has been great. So we're, we're, we're enjoying the weather um, as long as we don't have anything too severe. Definitely, definitely. Last question, has anything surprised you about the diocese or stuck out to you so far? Hmm. You know, in some ways, no. 
Um, I mean, the, the, and I've said this from the very beginning, like the biggest part that drew me into all of this and, and especially, you know, I, I've been involved myself in this process for something like 10 months. So I think it's about, about 10 months ago, I recall that, that I, I entered into to the process. And of course it had um, <clears throat> existed with materials and so on before that. But, but from the very beginning, it was really for me all about the people and just such incredible people. Um, if anything, that's continued to be just a welcome surprise. So I knew there were wonderful people you know, part of you, when you're in a process like this, thinks, oh, you know, everybody's being nice because you might be their bishop or you're going to be their bishop. But um, we've gotten to know, for example, really wonderful neighbors in our neighborhood who I don't think have any idea what I do. Um, and from the very first moment we arrived, they've been so kind and gracious. I think we'd been here a couple of days and one of our neighbors brought big loaf of fresh baked bread and a bottle of wine, um, which was great. Um, people have stopped by, asked if we needed anything. So it's, that's not a surprise in the one sense because I knew just the hospitality and the kindness and the goodness of the people here. Um, but if anything, it's continued to be reinforced um, over time. And, and I think just the one other thing I'd say, and this has been a little bit of a surprise, um, I'm amazed with the ingenuity and the creativity of our diocese in this time of pandemic. So that's just been incredible to me to learn about the different things that are happening, to, to watch so many of our churches with prayer and worship online, um, just absolutely amazing in places that hadn't done that at all, figuring out how to do it really quickly um, churches reaching out to their neighbors in fantastic ways. So, you know, this pandemic has been hard. It will continue to be hard. We're, we're nowhere near the end of all of this, as I understand it. Um, but I think there have been some blessings in it, not least that we've seen the Holy Spirit working in our churches incredibly. Um, so th that's been amazing to me. Um, you know, part of my worry is that I'm worried a little bit that our clergy and our lay leaders are going to burn out because there's just so much energy going into um, trying to, to be the church in these strange times. So we got to be sure to, to look after our clergy and one another in the midst of all this and not just be um, completely worn down um, with everything that's happening. But, but I'm amazed and inspired by the ministry that's happening um, in this diocese and couldn't be happier to be here and, and excited to continue to get to know people in whatever ways we can do that safely. And I can't wait for the time when I'm able to be more with people in person when it's safe to do that. That's the hard part is, you know, I'm really wanting to connect with everybody. Um, so feel free to reach out and we can arrange ways to connect uh, virtually. And I'm thrilled to do that until such time as I can be out there um, more in person, which I can't wait for. Yeah, well, we are so excited for this new chapter in our diocese. And I am too, I am so proud and encouraged by our churches and our clergy that have 
just stepped it up and found creative ways to connect with their folks and folks that weren't even didn't even know about their communities. Um, it's just been a really beautiful generative time for us. But um, Bishop Elect, thank you so much for your time. A couple of comments that came up. Father Tim Sean said to try out the local brew from Coop Ale Works, uh, oh. the Saturday Siren beer. It's tasty. Okay. It's a Pilsner. Got it. And St. Crispin Summer Camp says they're so excited for you and the family and to come on out and enjoy their trails anytime. So we yeah. can't wait to do that. I, I know with all of us, I was so sad to hear about summer camp, although that was definitely the right decision to keep everybody safe and not have summer camp. But right. um, we need to continue to, to support our camp. And yeah, we can't wait to get out there. I've had the chance personally to be out at St. Crispin's, but I'm looking forward to getting the boys out there to, to run around some in the dirt this summer. Yes, they're, they're going to love it. All right, Bishop Lecht, we I will see you in the office, I'm sure, later today. But um, we can, everyone tune in this Saturday, 11 a.m., YouTube, and let's celebrate with Bishop Lecht Polson and his family. This is a really, really exciting time. So thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, everybody. All right. Peace, y'all. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Be sure to sign up for the Diocesan Newsletter at our website, epiok.org newsletter. And follow us on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on what's going on in the Episcopal Diocese of Oklahoma. See y'all next week, and peace be with you.